You may be seated. Well, it is so great to see all of you here today. And <clears throat> for those of you that are watching on live stream, we welcome you as well. And we very much look forward to the day when you can be back with us also. Uh, you know, all of us know what a top 10 list is. It is the highest ranking items in a particular category. Now, some of you are like me, and you grew up with Dick Clark's Top 10 Countdown. And every week on American Bandstand, he would uh, count down the hit songs of the week that were playing on the radio. And you remember that he would have this segment where he would start with number 10, and then he would count all the way down to the hot number one song all over America, the number one hit song. And that was really a very, very popular part of his program because everybody likes the top 10 list categories. Now I have an interesting top 10 list this morning I want you to think about with me. Who are the top 10 people who influenced your life? Have you ever thought about that? Who would be on that list? I have thought about that a great deal. I find that the older I get, the, the more I think about that. And I could actually give you uh, names that are on that list. Obviously, my parents would be on that list. My wife, Ellen, would be on that list. But who are some of the others that are high on my list? Well, they are people from my home church that I grew up with. In fact, I can give you some of their names. Orv, Don, Laura, Bob, Louie. You know what all those people have in common? They're all very ordinary Christians. As a matter of fact, they would be very surprised that they're on my top 10 list. They would say to me, we're on your top 10 list? Even above some of the professors you've had? Even above some of the well-known pastors you've known? And my answer would be yes. I wonder how many of you, if you were to share your top 10 list, would say there are people from a church that are on my list. I wonder how many of us would. And then we say, well, why are they on our list? And for me, the answer is those people were the body of Christ to me. Those people were the church in my life. This morning, as we get into this message that I want to bring, I want to just share a statement for us to think about, and then we'll see how it's fleshed out in Scripture. And the statement is this, when the body of Christ functions well, it is a dynamic influence in people's lives. Amen this morning? When the body of Christ functions well, it is a dynamic influence in people's lives. Now, I've started a little series on the church since we have reopened. And this morning, I want to bring a message entitled, The Church is the Body of Christ. And I'd like you to take your Bibles and turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we are going to begin looking at verses 12 through 27. And I want to read verses 12 to 14 to begin with because here we see the nature of the church. Here the Apostle Paul defines what it is for us to be the church. And listen to what he says starting in verse 12. 
For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. Now, here is the nature of the church. Here's what we are. This is what the Bible teaches us. We are a Holy Spirit-created body. That's what the Scripture is saying. The church, and that's us here this morning, are a Holy Spirit-created body. Now, as we've read these verses, there are three other verses that ought to spring to our mind. Mark 1.8 should come to our mind, where John the Baptist said, I baptize you with water, but someone's coming after me who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And then John 7, verses 37 to 39, where Jesus said, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink, for out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the Holy Spirit, who was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Now what that tells us then is the church is the long-awaited fulfillment of the promise to send the Holy Spirit. And both of those texts that I've just quoted compare the Holy Spirit to water because water gives us the image of total identification and total reception. When someone is baptized, they are plunged into the water. They are totally surrounded by the water. And the believer uh, at conversion is totally identified with the Holy Spirit. And then when we drink a glass of water, how much of that water goes into our stomach? Well, all of it does. And so every Christian has received all of the Holy Spirit at salvation. Now, this is true of how many Christians? All. Did you notice twice the word all is indicated here? So who has the Holy Spirit? Every believer. How much of the Holy Spirit does every Christian have? All of Him. That is so important for us to say and teach on a regular basis. Well now, there is another passage that ought to come to our mind when we read this text. When we read that we are one body, we should think of Genesis 2, 24. And there that passage says this, A man will leave his father and mother, he will cleave or be joined to his wife, and the two of them shall become one what? One flesh. Do you know the Hebrew word there can mean body as well? We could read that husband and wife become one body. And here's what happens. When a husband and wife co-mingle their bodies in that sexual relationship in marriage, it is the closest physical relationship possible. It is the intimate joining of two bodies to become one body. And then if children are born to that union, whose genetic makeup do they have? Yeah, they have the parents. In fact, if you do DNA testing, you will discover that those children's bodies are made up of their parents' bodies. Sometimes you don't even need DNA, do you? You can just look at a person and you can see it. 
I have a cousin who often says to me every time she sees me, you look more like grandpa every time I see you. Because I have his genetic makeup. Now think about this. A biological family shares the closest human relationship possible because they are really one body unit. Now bring that here. The presence of the Holy Spirit in each of us means we are one body. Similar to a family that becomes one body unit, so the Holy Spirit unites us as a spiritual body. And since we all possess the same Spirit, if we are believers in Christ, we have a supernatural connection with one another that is as close as a family. In fact, how many of you have ever heard a Christian say this? I am closer to my brothers and sisters in Christ than to some members of my own family. How many of you have heard that? You've probably said it. And you say, why is that? Well, we are a Holy Spirit created body. We have a spiritual connection that is really a supernatural connection, isn't it? And it is so real that it can transcend all other human relationships in depth and in closeness. Can someone say here this morning, a spirit-created body is a special thing. It's a special thing. Now there are a lot of implications then for the church because of this. And in this passage, the Apostle Paul gives us four implications. If we believe what the Bible just taught us, it makes a huge difference in our church. Now this morning, what I want to do is I want to look at two of the implications. And then next week, we'll look at the final two, all right? So here's the very first implication of this. Number one, no believer is inferior. No believer is inferior. Look at verses 15 and 16. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. Now, this was a very, very well-known metaphor in the Greek world comparing a social group to a human body. Uh, the Corinthians would have been very familiar with this imagery, but this was the first time they ever saw it connected to a church. Now, I want you to notice the first comparison is between what we might call parallel or comparable parts. The foot and the hand are parallel, and the eyes and the ears are parallel. But of those pairs, we all know that one in the pair is more prominent than the other. Uh, the hand is very visible. Uh, I see most of us have our feet covered this morning. Uh, maybe as summer goes along, that'll not be quite the case, but most of the time we cover our feet. The eyes are very noticeable, aren't they? We often say to people, oh, you have such lovely eyes, don't we? 
Uh, but the ears, what do we say about the ears? Well, I won't say it in case you think I'm talking about you this morning, all right? Now, here's what happened. Apparently, there were uh, believers in the Corinthian church who thought that they were rather insignificant compared to others. And their thinking was just like this. Uh, you can hear somebody saying, you know, I'm just a foot. I'm not as versatile as a hand. Or someone else saying, you know what, I, I'm just an ear. I'm not as appealing as an eye. You know what they had? They had an inferiority complex. And they may have resented it. They may have even been complaining. You might have said things like this. I'm not important in this church. Nobody listens to me. Nobody pays attention to me. By the way, have you ever heard somebody say that? The longer you're around the church, the more you can hear things like that. And they may have grown bitter and resentful at what they felt was a lesser role. By the way, that often happens when we compare ourselves to other Christians and we feel underappreciated. We can grow bitter and resentful. May I say to all of us this morning, do not go down that path. Don't compare yourself with others. Don't say, I'm not as appreciated as somebody else. Because it will easily lead to resentment and bitterness. Now, how do we counter this inferiority complex? Well, there's a couple of ways. Number one, no Christian should ever feel inferior to another. Ever. Ever. Our role does not determine our value the presence of the Holy Spirit determines our value. Can I get an amen to that this morning? Absolutely. Since all of us have been indwelt by the Holy Spirit, we have the best that God can possibly give. And since we are all equally indwelt by His Spirit, all other distinctions become insignificant. That's why in verse 13 he mentions Jew or Greek, slave or free. Those are racial, religious, or social distinctions. And here's what the Bible is saying. Once you have the best, do you feel cheated if you don't have the second best? Or the third best? Or the fourth best? Of course not. This morning, I want to ask you um, if you could only choose one of these pairs, only one, which would you choose? Which would you say, this is the highest value, therefore in this pair, I must choose this one? Ready? Having a PhD or having the Holy Spirit? Being a rich one percenter or having the indwelling Spirit of God? Being a world-famous athlete or knowing the living God resides within me. Being one of the world's beautiful people or being made beautiful on the inside because the Holy Spirit lives within you. Which would you choose? Or how about this? Having world-class talent, 
so that every time you perform, people applaud? Or would you rather choose God's own Spirit residing within you so that God says you are special? Which would you choose? Well, I think we all know. So do you see the point that is being made here? When we have God's very best, everything else is inferior. Therefore, no Christian who has God's Spirit is inferior to any other Christian. That's what God is teaching us. Now, here's the second way that we encounter uh, uh, or, or counter an inferiority complex. Every role in the church is needed no matter how noticed or not. Every role in the church is needed, no matter how noticed or not. Look at verse 17. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? Now, I want to make two statements here today that I know that all of us agree with. The second statement's a little harder to say than the first, but I'm convinced we all agree with them. In fact, I'm going to ask you to repeat these statements with me because I know that you agree with these, all right? Here's the first one. My role is not determined by my value. Can we say that together? My role is not determined by my value. My value, excuse me, is not determined by my role. I said that just to make sure you were listening. <laughs> Let's say it again, all right? Say it with me. My value is not determined by my role. Now, here's the second one. A smaller role does not mean a smaller importance. You agree with that, don't you? Let's say it together. A smaller role does not mean a smaller importance. If I lost my role today, would that change my value? If I got a smaller role than I have today, would that change my importance to God? No. You see, brothers and sisters, if we really believe this, imagine how that would change our church. Imagine. And as we're going to see in this passage as we continue next week, it changes a church that believes this in dramatic ways. Now here's the second implication that I want us to see this morning. God's sovereign wisdom determines our place in His body. God's sovereign wisdom determines your place and my place in His body. Look at verse 18. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as He chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet there is one body. Now, you can see the analogy here this morning. Who has arranged our human bodies the way that they are? What's the answer? Yeah, God has. 
Uh, God gave me two eyes because that's how I can see the best. God gave me two ears because that's how I can hear the best. God gave me one mouth because that's uh, best for talking. Maybe we should say that's least for talking, right? And all of us know this. We know I need to walk just as much as I need to talk. I need to smell as well as I need to see. I need to hear as well as use my hands. Now, here's the analogy. Who has arranged the church body? God. God arranged the members in the body. He's given the gifts and the talents. He's assigned your role to you. It's His sovereign choice and wisdom. Would you agree with me? He knows who the body needs. And he knows what the body needs for it to function effectively. By the way, did you notice something? He's done this individually. Have you noticed this? Each one of them, verse 18. Look at that. You are not a number to God if you are one of his children. He has made you. He has fashioned you. He has saved you, He has gifted you, and He has placed you. Could you be any more special than that? You could not be more any special than that if God took that kind of individual attention upon you. By the way, this morning, no Christian should ever feel inferior to any other. Because God has made you special, not because of who you are, but because of what He has done. So, if I complain about my place or my role in the church, who am I complaining against? I'm complaining against God. His wisdom, His sovereignty. His knowledge of what the body needs. Now, I have a confession that I'm going to make here this morning, and uh, I have a brother in the congregation who will forgive me for making this confession. I know he loves me, so he will accept it. And that is this, I wish I could sing like Kurt Janofsky. I asked him a while ago to sing one of my favorite songs, and it was beautiful. It was just beautiful. His voice range, his ability to harmonize, which to me seems effortless, I just enjoy it so much. Now, you know what? I can carry a tune, and I like to sing, but I can't do it as well as he can. Uh, let me ask you, who made that distinction between the two of us? God did, didn't he? In fact, you know what Romans 12, 6 says? It says, having then gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. 
Listen to that. God has made differences in us by what he has given. And it has nothing to do with us or our choice. It has to do with what he decided to give to us. God assigns those differences. So, you know what that means? If Kurt is asked to sing more than I am, should I complain? No. I should use the gift that I have. Uh, If somebody is a better teacher than I am and they're asked to teach more frequently than I am, should, should I be resentful over that? No, you know what I should do? Whatever opportunities come my way, wherever those are, then I should use my gift in that area. I should not resent somebody else who's asked more than I am. Or how about this? If someone is very gifted in leadership so that they can effectively cause people to work harmoniously together to accomplish a particular job... Should I complain that maybe I don't get the opportunity to lead as much as they do? Well, what's the answer? No. In fact, at the end of this passage, you know what we're going to see? We are to rejoice with those who rejoice. When you understand that the body of Christ is a spirit-created body, You rejoice rather than are filled with complaining, resentment, or any kind of strife or competition. Many years ago, I heard a statement that has been very helpful to me. And I've tried to ask the Lord to work this spirit into my life. And this is the statement. There are no great preachers, just great gifts. When we hear about somebody who is a great preacher, you know what that's about? That's not about them, is it? That's about God, who has gifted them. And that's how we have to look at it. Now, I want to apply that statement to us today. There are no great Christians, just great gifts. Amen this morning? There are no great Christians. They're just great gifts. And when the focus is on God like that, what a difference it makes if God has so graciously condescended to treat us so specially, then wherever, however he wants to use us, We should be glad to let him have his way. What are the implications of this spirit-created body? Well, there are no inferior Christians. And God's people said, and 
God's sovereign wisdom determines our place in the body. And all God's people said, Amen. Now next Sunday we'll look at the two other implications. But I don't know about you, I've got enough to chew on right now. And let's bow together and let's pray. Father, we're so glad to be back together today. This group of people is the most special people on the face of the earth. It is the body that you have supernaturally created by the Holy Spirit. Not a single one of us here that knows Christ as Savior is inferior in the least to anyone else. And whether we have a large role or a small role, a seemingly prominent gift or a gift behind the scenes, our value is not determined by our role. And a smaller role never equals smaller importance. And Lord, we look forward to the day when more and more of our brothers and sisters can be back with us because we miss them, we love them. And we long for that time when we can be a a full church once again. And in the meantime, help us to understand how special you have made this group, what a wonder it is to be serving you together as your people. And we pray that all of the things that would keep us from being on each other's top ten list would be eliminated so we might be the body you created us to be. We love you this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen.